You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Tuesday, October 24th. And well, it isn't a victory Monday. It isn't even a victory Tuesday. And the 49ers are five and two, um, which is less than ideal right now. We're, I know we're all a little bit shocked, but we're now a day removed from, you know, our our instant reactions, our, I guess, disappointment. I'm still a little disappointed, but, you know, I think we're, we're starting to get more level-headed as the week progresses here. So joining me today to talk about the game is Weston. How are you doing today, Weston? Steph, I am. I'm two things. I'm tired and I'm confused. I'm tired because for whatever reason, I had multiple dreams last night that they actually came back and won this football game and <laughs> had to wake up every single time. So I didn't sleep well. Um, I'm confused because I still don't know what the 2023 San Francisco 49ers are. Are they a representation of the first five weeks of the season or the, do they more closely resemble the last two weeks? And uh, the reality is, it's probably somewhere in between there, but like it just it hasn't it hasn't been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it it really has not. And like I said, it's just kind of hard to believe that after the game against the Browns, they can come out and look pretty much just as bad against the Vikings. Like I was really thinking this was going to be a get right game for the team, and it just wasn't so. So like, I mean, what went wrong in this game? I know a lot of people are talking about the defensive line and Steve Wilkes in general as well, because I mean, he, he largely has the same personnel that D'Amico Ryan's had last year. You could even argue, or wait, you can't even make the argument. Javon Hargrave is an upgrade. Sure. Uh, Clinton Farrell, you know, maybe, maybe not really an upgrade there, but they also got Randy Gregory. So you make do with that. You got as a defensive coordinator, you get uh, someone traded to your team. You got to make sure that the defensive line is going to be better after that. Right. Well, we just haven't really seen it. And also the secondary, which is supposed to be his forte, is kind of getting, you know, diced up as well. So at the same time, they did hold the the Vikings to 22 points. At the same time, they, they also did allow like four, over 400 yards of offense. So it's like, uh, I, it's just weird. This is not the same defense that we were accustomed to uh, last year, right? No, definitively not. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that while it is the same personnel, the scheme is a little different, right? Um, So there's a little adopting that some of these players need to do. I think like Bosa even like talked about it, like, you know, with the blitz, hey, we're we accustomed to rush four, right? So there are some differences. I thought the defense would be a little bit behind the offense with, with Steve Wilkes coming in. But I think in being perfectly candid, it is time for this team to remove the word bully from our vocabulary. We are over the last two weeks, you are the bullied, right? Based on what I on both sides of the line. So I think that's where the problem began is in the trenches in the foundation. I mean, the offensive line didn't look poor, but obviously, God, is Trent Williams ever missed when he's not on the field? It takes away, you know, a lot of what they want to do. But the defense side of the ball, like 
yeah, you, you rattled off all those names, all that talent, you know, and at the, we're now at the point where I'm not looking at PFF grades anymore. I'm looking at actual production and contribution. And then we're going to sit there and pick apart the defensive secondary, but is it really their fault? When a, when a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who is plenty capable, you know, has four seconds to throw the ball, you know, an NFL quarterback with four seconds should be able to pick apart any secondary. Um, so just defensively, it's looked different. Um, it's felt clunky all season. It was just masked yeah. by these massive, you know, offensive Great. outbursts um, where that where you would overlook it. But, you know, we're we're almost at the midway point now. Now, now it's time to figure it out and figure out what the identity of what this defense is really going to be. I, I totally agree. I'm glad that you said that, because this isn't just a two game thing for the no. defense like. It, it's been a full season now. We've barely seen any sacks, which is weird because we're seeing the pressures, but we're not seeing them turn into sacks. And when they're only pressures, that means a quarterback could still get the ball out. And that's what we've been seeing like these last few weeks or since the season has started. Quarterbacks are getting the ball out. They're getting the ball out quick. And they're finding open guys. Guys seem to be in a lot of open space back there. And I think that's also an issue for this team. And I'm also glad that you mentioned, uh, you know, the removing, you know, bully from, you know, any bully ball and any of their mantras or whatever, uh, because I kind of feel like they've become the hunters have become the hunted, right? Yeah, and, obvious that these last two games Cleveland and Minnesota have gone into it seeing it as a challenge for them right because they're two teams who going into it had losing records and they're saying to themselves hey like if we're a good team or if we feel like we can turn this around we got to be able to beat the 49ers and punch them in the mouth and so far they've they've been able to do that right so um it's not great, and the 49ers just haven't really been able to respond. Two weeks in a row now, by the way, Weston, that an opposing team has come out of, you know, the tunnel with the box, man. Like, this is – they were playing Creed. I know. Thanks. That's embarrassing. How how do we let that happen and, and let them beat you? It's honestly <laughs> – all sports, right? All professional sports. It's more mental than it is anything else. And like whatever you can do to get into the opposing team or player psyche, uh, just anything to get them thinking about something that's not the game. You know, I think the Minnesota Vikings had had a, a well-worked game plan coming into this game. The 49ers did not, point blank, period. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I mean, we could sit here and poke holes and like, yes, receivers are running wide open, blah, blah, blah. It's not the talent on the defensive side. It's it's the alignment. It's the recognition. To me, that all spells back to preparation or lack thereof for what your opponent's going to present. You know what I think's happened here, Steph? If I'm being realistic, I think the 49ers started, the players started to read their own press clippings and their own headlines and expect to walk in and beat teams. When you are at once upon a time through the early part of the season, you know, these guys they're young, they're hip, right? They follow social media. They're watching Good Morning Football. They're watching all the stuff that we're watching. And everybody's talking about the 49ers like they're the best thing since sliced bread. You're going to get everybody's A game. So that means you have to have your A game every single time. And, and I just think they're resting on their laurels. Like, we're listen, 
I don't care if Debo's playing, not playing. I don't care if Trent Williams not playing. You go pay man for man between the San Francisco 49ers and Minnesota Vikings. We should have dog walked the Minnesota Vikings. Dog walk them. And I don't want to hear about injuries because they went in without their starting guard. They went out with just without Justin Jefferson. And tell me, Steph, who makes a bigger offensive impact for their team? Is it Justin Jefferson or is it Debo Samuel? Both significant. But I take Justin Jefferson all day for what he accounts yeah, in, in that offense. And they're missing that guy, you know. And I think we were talking about the defense before with them. Um, and I think there was a comment up about it as well, about like the soft coverage. I, I What I feel like I'm getting the vibe from this defense is it's like a bend but don't break mentality, right? It is uh, – I think they've literally become comfortable with giving up yardage. But if they can get off the field and only giving up three points instead of seven points, they look at that as a win based on what the offense has been able to do, hasn't done, but has been um, able to do. Like, like if you really look at it, so they scored on essentially their second possession, right, after the McCaffrey fumble, a touchdown. And then the next touchdown was right before the half. Everything else was field goals and, you know, for, you know, like what could be attempted field goals and and where Kevin O'Connell elected to to punt, right? So, um, it, it, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know I what mean, this I, team is. I, so you, you bring up a good point that, you know, the Ben don't break. There were times that they did hold them, you know, they got into the red zone or at least in like their side of the field, the 49ers side of the field, and they were able to stop them or limit them to just a field goal. That is a win. Right. But What's even better if you get off the field on third downs and you don't oh even God. let them get to that point. Eight um, converted third downs uh, is what the Vikings had in this game, and it just felt like they were moving the ball with ease. Yeah. And, and another thing that that you mentioned earlier is that you know the scheme differences. This is a different scheme. I thought it wasn't supposed to be. Oh, yeah. I thought when they hired Steve Wilkes, like the point was hey, look, like we're not going to change too much. Like we want it to be the same defense. We want it to be like what D'Amico had was was perfect. You you do as much of that as you can. And then, you know, maybe work in some kinks here and there. But because the four-man rushes aren't working and who maybe whose fault is that? Uh, like I think that's where the problem lies, that – they're not getting home with four. That's impacting everything because totally. literally the way they built this defense was with that defensive line being the focal point and that defensive line making everything easier for the rest of the defense. 100%, right? I mean, a good defensive line masks a lot of problems in a in a secondary. And I don't think our secondary is a problem, right? I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased with the way that these guys play play collectively, but this is still the NFL and the offense always has the advantage, always has the advantage. And you're given a quarterback time. These guys just run all over the field. Like it's not a, you know, I love this comment right here. This is this, this play exactly tells you that everything you need to know about the differences in the scheme. Have you, would you ever see Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryans with 16 seconds left in the half say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to dial up seven to get home when all I really need to do is, Eliminate the big play. Eliminate. We, Steph, we talk about momentum on this all the time. And we talked about how 49ers failed to capitalize in Cleveland off of Fred Warner's pick that eventually ended up being a missed field goal, right, by Jake Moody. Same thing happened in this game. 
Kirk Cousins, notoriously bad, right? Notoriously bad on Monday night or under the lights in primetime football. His three three plays into his first possession, he throws an interception against this defense. 49ers turn around and make that seven points. I talked about how, like, this game is very cerebral and very mental, right? Like, I'm not saying Kirk is the kind of guy that crumbles, but it creeps into the back of your mind. Like, here we go, another Monday night, and look at this yeah. freaking disaster. Right. And then they get a clean, they get a, you know, he gets to wash his hands of it. I mean, clean slate after, you know, CMC puts the ball on the turf. And I'm not faulting CMC. Like, he, nobody's perfect. You're going to put the ball on the turf. I get it. Um, but that that right there, like, literally changed the entire game. And then the play before halftime, that was it. That, that was literally it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. And, and Talking Head here, thank you for the donation. It has a great comment here. I think these two losses are particularly consequential because the schedule gets tough from here on out. Quarterbacks get better. We haven't even played a top wide receiver. We'll be playing from behind more. Can Purdy do it? So let's shift to the offense here because uh, there's good segue to it. The question with Brock Purdy, you know, to this point had been, well, can he face adversity? How would he face adversity? Can he still be a good quarterback when his back is against the wall, when he's down, when he doesn't have all of his playmakers at his disposal? We have two games now where, look, it's tough because he did, in the game against the Browns, he did lead that drive at the end there that got him in field goal range. No one is going to remember that, unfortunately, because the kick was missed. No one is going to remember that. They're just going to remember that Brock Purdy had a bad game. Maybe some of us 49er fans are going to remember that, you know, he set them up there. But no one else besides us will remember, unfortunately. Now you look at this game, two interceptions in the fourth quarter, down, you know, much of the second half. So what can we really say about Brock Purdy? I mean, in regards to him dealing with that adversity, it's still a small sample size, but the sample size right now doesn't look great. Does it? No. Um, but I, I listen, you know how reluctant I was to get on the train in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've become less reluctant based on what I saw. And I still saw a really good game from Brock Purdy for three and a half quarters, right? Both of these interceptions that we're talking about, Less than six minutes left in the game. So, yeah, high-pressure moments. You're playing from behind, etc. Didn't really ever see him, like, lose his cool. You know, he he still looked comfortable, like, on the Jawan Jennings one, which was the first of the, the two interceptions. Just a – we talked about – I know for a fact we talked about this last week about how he he's thrown to a window. Jawan couldn't get to the window. Whether he got bumped off the route, whatever it was, the window was there. He just yeah. – right? This is going to bite you every once in a while. So if I take that one off the table, yeah, the one at the end of the game looks bad, but I'm never going to fault a quarterback ever, especially the quarterbacks that we've had over the past few years, for being aggressive, for trying to go win the football game. It still remains to be seen if he can win those football games or if he, if the 49ers can even play from behind because the, the the short answer is in the 2023 season, no, they can't, yeah. right? They, they, they play with the lead. But both of these games, Still were winnable, still opportunities. I just, I, I can't sit here and like logically say he can or he can't. I just haven't seen enough. Like I'm going to, I'm going to read something off for you. 
he still hasn't played a full single season, right? When you compile all of his regular season games, he's still like yeah. a game or two short, right? One quarterback once upon a time, I'm not comparing the two individuals. I'm just trying to give some perspective. In their first 16 NFL games, went three and 13 through 26 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. Who's that? Um, Not Tom Brady. Joe Montana? Peyton Manning. Right. I'm not comparing the two different skill sets, et cetera. I'm just saying mm-hmm. if you judged off of that, like, and we'll judge week to week, the NFL is a week to week league, but I can't sit here and say Brock is not definitively not the guy. Yeah. Maybe for two weeks, it looks that way, but gosh, for five weeks, things look like really good. Right. For, for the most part, it's still the jury's out, but I think this stuff, while we hate to see it as fans is really important to the success of the 49er season. You are no longer the feared. Get back to going and playing. Nobody in the NFC fears you whatsoever. Go go, go back to playing team ball, right? Like, make sure everything's clicking, you know? Like, you're still going to get everybody's best effort and take the hype, take the media out of it. Like, I'll be really realistic, Steph. If you ask me prior to the season, after week seven, if I would be happy at five and two, I would have told you absolutely yes. It's just the yeah. way that we got to five and two. Yeah. That's like a you little upset. Said that earlier too. You, you know, it's 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 true. It, it, it five and two. I take all day. Consider what were we three and four last year through seven games or or whatever it was like. And we thought the sky was falling right in twenty twenty one. It was like get Jimmy out of there and get Trey in there and, and then a then a run. It is not how you start. The middle of the season matters because you want to get healthy through the middle season. It's it's how you end. And we've seen this team end strong. Truth is, they're going to have to add another piece. That's it. They're going to have to add another piece if they want to stay with Philadelphia. It's that simple. Yeah, and and the Eagles did add, you know, a piece too. So they're they're looking like a really good team right now. They're looking like possibly the best team in the NFC right now after the Lions also lost. So the best um, team in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think they are. So talking head has a, another super chat here. Thank you. Uh, said Steph, interesting point. What was the first play of leading to possible game winning drive against Cleveland, a pick to Newsom that Newsom dropped. That's fair. I mean, that is fair. And we, we'd obviously be talking about that drive differently, even if that occurred. Right. But you know, Football in general is a bunch of ifs and and could have beens and and all these things, right? So sure is. we we can't always, you know, I guess hang our head. Hang. Why am I having so much time with that phrase lately? <laughs> hang our hat. Is that how it goes? Can't anyway. always hang our hat on our head, right? Can't always hang our uh, hat. On I don't our know. Head. I give up. I give up. <laughs> but talking head, like yeah, delete. I mean, I, throw it yeah, out with bully ball uh, backspace. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I simply just think, sure, that that could have happened, but it didn't, and, you know, he got them in field goal position. Yeah. Defensive players get played, too. You mentioned shoulda, woulda, coulda. Like, Mooney should have intercepted that ball, right? Fred had one that could have been. It's all about taking advantage of the opportunity that's presented. And the truth is, is most defenders don't. That's why they play defense. If they could catch the ball real well, they'd play on offense. (laughs) That's yeah, good, good point. I mean, Fred, Fred could use some some jug machine action. Yeah, just saying. Totally. Um, 
Yeah, want to go back to this comment from Barry Baller. He said the zone was getting carved. Credit O'Connell for a great scheme. This is like now the second week in a row that we're like, you know, credit to the other team because like they did all these great things. And like, yes, they did do all these great things. Does it concern you, Weston, that we're seeing teams so successfully scheme up this 49ers defense? Yeah. Why is it this easy? Listen, I, yeah, it concerns me greatly. Like the the NFL is a copycat league, and once the tape's out there, you know it's it's available to all thirty one other teams. And when if you're on their schedule, their coaching staff's job, just like the players' job, is to go win the football game, and they're gonna find ways to do it. Um, I think I'm gonna put a little faith in Steve Wilkes here that he's been around this league as long as he's had as long as he has because he's going to have the ability to make adjustments. Would I like to see them quicker? Yeah. Do, do I want to see some, I mean, what's the point at this point? Like you got to do something different, but I want to put this in context too, right? So you 22 points last night, what was it? 19 in Cleveland. So yeah. 21 points over a two bad game stretch. That's like middle of the league, right? That's not like they're all of a sudden trotting out the worst defense in the league. We were just right. used to seeing yeah. this team giving up like 13 points a game. Vert, you know, another eight. Once, listen, the NFL is built on one possession football games, and that one possession is essentially the difference between a, a win and a loss in the in both of these games. Yeah, I mean, if if you do want to hang your hat on anything, see, I got it that time. Um, it, it should be that, I guess, like the fact that despite these two now bad games, like it, they've still been close games. It's still been like winnable games i mean they're not getting blown out or anything and i do want to also point out that this time last year the 49ers also won uh two straight to the falcons and then to the chiefs and we were probably having the same discussions that we are now except it was probably worse because i know they weren't five and two at the end of those games uh and you know look how far they went The difference is that you can argue the team is much better now. They have better weapons than they did at that point in time. You know, Christian McCaffrey is on this team now. Uh, So that's that's the only concern. And then I I do have concerns about the defense long term because I don't know. We haven't seen if if uh, Steve Wilkes can make the adjustments yet. Right. We're just right now hopeful that it can happen so let's see if he could right yep. let, let, let's give him the benefit of the doubt let's see if he could um but yeah yep. all right at this point in the show because this is the 49k player of the week show unfortunately after <laughs> a loss um but we're gonna keep up with the theme because like we said that we would do this the entire season and there are gonna be losses out there so we're gonna look at some bright spots all right And so we're going to talk about a few players who we think provided a bit of a bright spot in this game. And look, I'm going to be honest, it's probably not the kind of game that if the 49ers won, if if there was a bunch of other good performances that we'd probably even be talking about. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to be honest with you. But, you know, even in losses, we can find a little positive. Uh, So. Wesson, why don't you start us off? Who's Ooh, your, giving your me the honors? Name? You're giving yeah. me the honors. Um, I'm gonna take some low hanging fruit on this one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
you know, 90, what was it? 95 total yards on, on 18 touches, two touchdowns. I mean, he accounted for all of our points, except the, you know, a, a field goal, uh, a nice long field goal by Mr. Jake Moody, I might add, but I can't penalize him for the fact that they just couldn't get any, they couldn't open the lane for him. Right. They couldn't do, you know, and then, I'm sure there was more touches called for him. Then you get a false start and then you're second and 15, right? Or you're third and 11 and it takes the ball out of his hands. I, I think if I was knocking anything, I think the 49ers abandoned the run a little bit too early. Like their passing game goes off the run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even when it's not going well, you can't abandon it. You just can't, you know? Um, but like I said, 95 total yards, two touchdowns. If this was a win, we'd be singing his praises and his contribution. And oh, by the way, he did it with a slightly torn oblique. And everybody, every 49er fan in the world was like, please don't dress him for this game. I, I was one season. of them. And then everyone reminded me, like, I'm not a doctor. Thank you. I, I, I forgot. No, no. <laughs> forgot that I didn't go to school like for 12 yeah. extra years. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You can't just give your opinion anymore on, on the Twitter, but. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, look, that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. That's not one of the ones that I would have nominated, but I I hear you. And the reason I wouldn't have nominated him is because he's been inefficient, kind of, surprisingly. And I think it's because teams are now putting a focus on stopping the 49ers run. Well, they've always tried to, but these last two weeks they've figured it out. The run uh, blocking just hasn't been as good for whatever reason, but – let me ask you a question. Uh, I mean, Sam. two touchdowns is pretty good, Weston. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll give it to him. You know, uh, if you, I mean, if you average it out, 17, you know, he was averaging 10, almost 10 yards every time he touched the ball, right? Like the, the 18 touches when, uh, excuse me, that's not, that's very inaccurate. Don't quote that. That's bad math right there. Um, in any case, we'll, we'll re- yeah. delete backspace, uh, et cetera. Um, that being said, like, is it Christian McCaffrey who's, declining or is it the 49ers offensive line play that's not giving him an opportunity that's that i look at it like i don't like to critique the line but i'm just it's just not the same it doesn't look the same the offense hasn't looked the same and dallas put the tape out there take mccaffrey away that's that's where you start mm-hmm. right like with this offense and like i said copycat league tapes out have to adjust. I do think uh, Christian McCaffrey, sorry, Debo Samuel not being out there and the threat that he provides, no uh, you know, probably opens things up and, and makes stopping McCaffrey a little bit easier uh, for teams. And I also think, obviously, Trent Williams not being 100% when he finished that game last week, not being out there, you know, this week certainly does impact that. So, you know, oh. let, let's see what they look like. Um, when Trent is back and and when Debo's back and who knows, maybe that's after the bye. Uh, but all right, here's mine. And uh, I'm going to say it now because I saw a couple of people pointing it out in the chat as well. I'm going to stick with the offense here. And we were talking about the offensive line, but I'm going to go with Jalen Moore because I really don't think Jalen Moore was the problem, you know, yesterday for this team. And I thought he had a really good game. I mean, it's a tough task to replace Trent Williams, <laughs> you know, on the left side there, uh, you know, covering your your quarterback's blind spot. So I thought he did admirably. 33 pass blocking snaps, just one pressure, one hurry given up. 
I'd say that's a that's a win for Jalen Moore, and I'm glad that despite him not having like all the, a ton of experience, like he's really just gone in on spot duty. Um, yeah. And when Trent's been hurt, despite not having like that game experience to to build that up, I mean he he played a good game. Yeah, no argument here, right? And his name was not mentioned during the broadcast. So I noticed that too. That's when you know your backup left tackle is doing at least a, a halfway decent job. So, because trust me, with Troy Hakeman and Joe Buck on the line, they'll look for any 49er player to to get all over if and when they can. Uh, but yeah, Jalen played great. Did did is he our future starting left tackle? Absolutely not. After you know, Big Trent wants to to hang up those cleats, but um, it was a huge area of concern coming into this game. Forget about even the pass block. Cause you can scheme around that losing the ability to run to the left side of your line, which is like your strength. Like that causes bigger problems and they didn't shy away from it. They didn't shy away yeah. from it. I thought he did real well. Yeah, I think so too. So Weston, who's your, who's your next candidate here? All right. I'm going to be super controversial here. Uh Oh, Charvarius Mooney ward. Yeah. I know you don't like it. This is about this. This has nothing to do with a PFF. This has nothing to do with the stat box. Oh, this, boy, the stretch. No, this is this has to do with the eye test. And you guys can kill me and crucify me for this. You will. Okay. A lot of the stats that you're going to see about yards given up that play at halftime with a ball, a, yeah. a freak play, right? Like he read the coverage beautifully, he stepped in front of it beautifully, hit him in his in his in his arms. If he had three inches further to the right, it would hit him in his belly versus his arms, and Jordan Addison made of a hell of a play. Very similar to what Charvarius Ward did to him earlier in the game, right? So, yeah. but I'm looking at potentially two picks. I already talked before about how I'm not faulting the defensive backfield based on that the defensive line was not able to get in there and do and hold up their end of the bargain and get pressure, and I think they were misaligned with wrong play calls where guys were running free and it makes the defensive backs look worse because you're on an island and you're chasing a guy. A guy that 8 out of 10 is probably not even your responsibility. You just happen to be in the area of where that catch was made. When catches were made on him, he was right there, right? I mean, the best you can do, like, the, the Addison had a battle. You know, if it was Hawkinson outside, like, they still had to battle for the ball. I, I just think we're too quick to poo-poo what because Cousins threw for – 360 whatever yards a lot of that is, is it doesn't tell like the true story in my eyes i i, I demo too i thought he played a, a decent game um I, I thought the linebackers stunk in coverage is what it really came down to over the middle of the field but telling you right now if mooney ward walked away with that pick at, at halftime we'd all be singing his praises as 49k player of the week he'd get every vote promise I promise yeah i, I know I mean, you think absolutely. i'm reaching <laughs> yeah yeah you are uh i you know i appreciate your bravery and and sticking your neck out for booney ward that was uh very brave of you um you know because i don't have anything good to say about that one i'm just gonna not say you're gonna steamroll right over me huh okay <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i mean he, yeah he had, so look okay I'll, I'll just say it really it quick. is your show two, Steph. you can do he whatever had two you penalties want penalties in the game and he also so situationally, you have to know as a corner situationally, and that, that does fall on Steve Wilkes as well, that when you know you don't have any safety help, you're taking a huge risk going for that ball there. It was a third down. 
you're you're almost at the half. Just bat, bat it down. <laughs> you're, the half is dead right there. Like you know, the play's dead. You you go to the locker room. You're good. So situationally, I did not like the decision. That being said, you're right, Weston. If he came away with that pick, we would all be praising him, and you know, it it'd be great. So hindsight, of course, is always twenty twenty. Um, but I, you know, I, I respect you. So <laughs> that you're like, fine. I we'll, did we'll, respect we'll you that. until that. <laughs> we'll we'll let that one slide. Right. I'll do better um, next week. I'll be better. All right, I will stick with the defense here. Surprisingly, so. All right, and I'm going to go with Fred Warner, sticking my neck out here on this one, right? Fred Warner, uh, eight tackles, 10 assists, four stops, a pass broken up. Um, I believe one of those was on, like, uh, the screen, too. Was that the one where he could have? Could have picked it. Could have probably picked it, maybe. I mean, uh, it was it's all kind pro of Fred. We there. expect more than that, you yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, the reason that not just for the play, but I feel like he's one of the only guys that when the chips are down and he, and the the defense feels like it's sputtering a little bit to me, like he's usually the guy that still feels like he's playing hard. And like, I just see it on the field. Like he's still, he's still trying out there. And I think that's one of the most important things out there uh, to have. And I do also want to point out, the amazing play he had on the attempted tush push at the goal line by the cousins. And he jumped right over that line, Troy Palomalu style and got at Kirk cousins. That was amazing. That reminded me of the scene in lion King. And I always post the gif on, on Twitter of uh, scar just jumping out of the flames in the fight scene at the end, <laughs> arms open wide give me a hug. Um, you know, Fred, the, Fred Warner is a beast and it's not the first or the last time we're going to see something like that from Fred. So I, I do love that. That was great effort. Kept him out of the end zone. Um, I also appreciate that after the game, he's the most accountable guy on the defense that there is. And I, I think he takes it personally, you know, when, when the defense doesn't play at a certain standard, right? Because, I, I feel like Fred Warner, he's not a coach, right? But he feels like a coach on the field to the players. And I, I'm sure like he kind of takes that responsibility on himself as well to be that guy totally. for everyone on the field. So I appreciate the accountability. I appreciate him like never really giving up. And so for those reasons, as well as, you know, the the plays that he had on the field, you know, Fred Warner is one of my um, nominees. Yeah. Listen, I I don't think you stuck your neck out as far as I did with, with Mooney here. Um, but this was not, and I, Fred would tell you, this was not one of his better football games, uh, in my opinion. Right. Um, especially, we've come to expect so much more out of Fred in the passing game and what he's able to do. We've seen him cover wide receivers down the seam, right? Top tier wide receivers down the seam. And, you know, like I said, the, the linebackers struggled this week uh, against the pass, yeah. and he's no exception to it. Six receptions. You know, 59 yards given up. Like, that's not Fred Warner-esque, what we've seen. Saw a lot of missed tackles. Uh, I don't want to say a lot of missed tackles. A couple missed tackles by Fred. Um, they all missed tackles, by the way, in this game. That, that mm -hmm. was another thing that was really again, shoddy. Was, again. Yeah, was the tackling. But I agree with what you're saying. There's nobody on the defensive side that plays harder than Fred Warner. He got shook up at the end of the game, missed one snap, came right back in, right? Like, um, you love all of that. Like he is relentless. He is the heartbeat. This defense plays at his pace. And this is why I'm, a, I'm excited 
to see the next few weeks, more specifically after the bye week when they have an opportunity to recoup a little bit, because I know Fred is going to command that this defense get right. And I actually believe that he he truly does, as a player, have the respect of every single person there. So I, I expect them to, to match his effort as well and want to play for him. Forget the coaching staff, right? Like, I want to play for my guys, my teammates, my my people out there, right? Um, so, I mean, on effort alone, Fred could win this award every single week because there is no quit in that man. He's a heat-sinking missile everywhere. I just don't think this was one of his all-pro Fred games. This was a, a, it, it a good game. No, no. It definitely wasn't. No, it definitely wasn't. I think, like... I for me I'm not saying you sold it as that by the way because you did not yeah, at all I promise. Yeah, I I was looking more so at like the level of effort that I continued to see and then the accountability after the game, which I know, you know, no, usually totally. we talk just about the game, but yeah, that that kind of look <laughs> it's tough to find some good nominees in a in a loss. Um but we try our best, right? Wesson, sure. do you have any other uh nominees in this one? I'm going to throw Kittle, uh, George Kittle up there. Um, You know, he was the highest rated offensive player on the team, you know, from PFF standpoint, uh, what was it? Five for 78. Um, Good situational catches too, right. In in big spots to to help move the ball and and move the chains. And it was just nice to see him finally be uh, a target in this offense and not like, the check down or the third or fourth read in the progression. It felt like some of these plays were drawn up a little bit for number 85 and they need to do more of that. You know, if you're going to talk about him being one of the best tight ends in the league, can't just be about his blocking because then you might as well put 75 on his Jersey and let him play on the offensive line um, versus um, 85, but good game. I thought it was a good game, solid game. Another one who got nicked up during the game, just continue to come back, continue to battle. Um, I think he got hit in no man's land by like a helmet. Um, you know, that's enough to put me down for a month and he came right back out. So, uh, I'll give him, I'll give him a nod. I'll give Mr. Kittle a nod this week. Yeah. I I like this one for all the reasons that you mentioned, he was going to be my last nomination as well. So we do have to give it to him. All right. I think we got a pretty decent list of guys here. Um, let's see, let me just make sure I have the, yeah. All right, so up on the screen, we have the Player of the Week candidates, Christian McCaffrey, Jalen Moore, Mooney Ward, Fred Warner, and George Kittle. Um, Again, this is just guys who provided a bright spot in in the team's loss, all right? We're not not saying they're saving the world here, but they provided a silver lining. So help us vote here in the comments, and while you guys do that, me and Weston are going to put some players on notice. Do you want to start or should I? Sure do. Um, but it's your show. You go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, who knows? Maybe we we would put the same player on notice. I'm going to say so. Drake Jackson um, for the first one here. Yeah, because I, I do have two. Uh, he played 15 snaps, which, you know, is uh, a product of Randy Gregory coming in here and taking some of those st- snaps from him. But at the same time, you would hope that he would do something, anything with those 15 snaps, zero tackles. And much of the time he was getting bullied out there. It did not look good for Drake Jackson. And that is concerning for me, not just for this game, but 
him in general. Like uh, he's got to get something going at some point. And now his opportunities are going to diminish greatly. So Drake Jackson, one of the guys that I've put on notice. I can go with his counterpart. This is going to sound crazy. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just like still just emotionally battered from this game last night and some crazy thoughts spiral in here, but I'm putting Dre Greenlaw on notice. I think he is still like, all right, we all saw it. Let's all call this out. He kicked a dude while he was down on the field yesterday. Did he not? Did he not step on this guy intentionally? So it's still like, the separation from his brain, right? And that wasn't costly, but in a game like that, that could have been very costly. And he's still a liability in situational football. I talked about how the linebackers were weak against the pass. Um, He's still like, listen, I know he, you know, he missed the week and he was severely missed and, and don't get me wrong. Like it's not like this defense can do without number 57. He just still feels like he's, He's running around like a little lost. Yes, he's running at full speed. Yes, he's running around with bad intentions. It just doesn't feel like he just feels out of place right now. And it's felt out of place for a couple of weeks. Um, and he's starting to become a liability in the sense where I feel like Oren Burks is playing pretty good, competent ball at that other backer spot. Like, I don't know. I, I just I just feel like I need to bring he needs to just rein it in a little bit. Like I just I need you're not on you're not on notice, dude. You're just like fucking calm down. Bring it almost, bring it together. Almost for on me. notice. Yeah. You're almost. on notice to be put on notice. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I noticed you noticing me and I noticed you back, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um yeah, that's fair. You know, I kind of feel like, and I know some people thought it as well that um maybe he's not one hundred percent, you know, coming back from his injury as a hammy. Uh there was there was a time or two where it looked like he was like limping or like just not walking. Right. I don't know, but he stayed out there. So um, I guess we'll see maybe after the bye, that'll give him some good rest and we see what he looks like after that. But yeah, no, that's totally fair for Drake Greenlaw guys. We have a two way tie right now. Make sure that you guys continue voting for 49 K player of the week in the comments and make sure you pick one player only. Talking Head has someone to put on notice here. There we go. Osa. He said, you just got paid and sat out all offseason. Don't get me wrong. If he had sat out this year, we would probably have two sacks instead of three. <laughs> Man, um, it's tough. But, like, for what Bosa was just paid for, like, it, all of the criticism he's getting right now is warranted. It is fair. So, I think pe- people wanting to put Nick Bosa on notice is is absolutely fair game right now. Yeah, I, the, the whole defensive line. I, I, you know, yeah, Nick, we expect more. And like, yeah, you know, we always get corrected, Steph, and we're like, where's the sacks? And like, oh, it's PFF grade and there's pressures and blah, blah, blah. Listen, the name of the game is get home. You don't get home, you're not really disrupting the game, you know? And we saw what happens when you don't get home and you don't get pressure and you don't, are you not, you're not consistently in your $120 million man. The expectation is you're consistently disrupting the backfield, you know, and that just hasn't been the case all season yet. So. Yep. I, I do agree with that. Um, all right. Weston, do you have a vote for 49 K player of the week? Christian McCaffrey. All right. 
And I am going to go with Jalen Moore, but it looks like Christian McCaffrey is our 49K player of the week. And look, I, I did also want to put this, it's not a player on notice, but just one one final thing here that I want to say. It's to Steve Wilkes, all right? Like, he, you're on notice for me because this defense has, has not looked good. And I, I just have to imagine that D'Amico Ryans would have this same defense looking way better. So I don't know what you're doing, but it's not working. And you need to figure this out because with all the Super Bowl aspirations that this team has, we we can't have the defense looking like this. We we simply cannot. So um, hopefully he makes those adjustments that we talked about earlier um, in the show. And, you know, that's his job to figure out, right? Not ours. So, yeah, hopefully we see those in the coming weeks, hopefully as soon as the Sunday against the Bengals, which is going to be tough. But, yeah. On to Cincinnati. On to Cincinnati. Uh, the 49ers will have Christian McCaffrey there again. It seems like, you know, there wasn't any re-aggravation, uh, thankfully, it, for his injury. Um, I don't think there were any new injuries out of that game, so thankful for that. Debo Samuel still going to be out for that one. Trent Williams, he was doubtful for this game. We'll see if he had any has any hope for Sunday, but I'd have to think that's probably – Maybe a long shot too, but we'll see. Um, all right, guys. Well, really appreciate you guys tuning in. And yeah, CMC, player of the week. Shout out CMC. Um, but appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you like this video. I know we're all like down and out and upset about the 49ers losing, but hey, hey, you still like us, right? All right. Yeah. We we have not, we didn't lose. All right. Well, Me and Weston I, didn't lose. All right. We we still played well here today. I might have just lost with the Charvarius Ward comment, but you know, Steph's you know right. What? Like her video, follow her content. Like this guy to hit the brick. Five and two. Just remember, Audit. five and two. Five and two. Five yeah, and two. Guys, not falling as at least you know we think right. So hopefully the 49ers can pick it back up against the Bengals. As always, we'll, we're going to be back on Monday, our regular schedule, uh, to talk about the game and talk about 49K player of the week after that game. But for now, have a good rest of your Tuesday, folks. Peace.